Welcome back to Tiny Tavern Talks, everybody. I'm your co-host, Nas, joined with Ali, and we're going to talk about everything D&D, guys. Whether we're all about the embracing the chill, keeping it as cool as your favorite pair of slippers. That's going to be our motto right now, every time talking about the slipper. So last week's episode, we covered four classes. Those were the first four builds we talked about. And in this week's episode, we're going to follow up with four other classes. And at the end, we're going to talk about the world that we guys uh, started teasing about last time. Isn't that right, Ali? Yep. Uh, this so, week's builds are very interesting. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the they least. are. They have a theme, right? Like the, the builds for this week have a, have a separate theme? Correct. Uh, this These builds are going to be focused on the natives of the land, the different races and the backgrounds they have. Sounds good. So we're going to kick things off, first of all. Um, what I'm reading here is we have the Moon Spirit. Oh, she's called Moon Spirit. That's her name. Uh, yes. Can you give us a little insight about her? Go deep dive and uh, what's the philosophy behind her and who is she? Okay, so the idea was I wanted to create a nomadic character uh, from a nomadic tribe. They can commune with their ancestors and they can commune with nature and animals and spirits. Like a type of a chosen one shaman-esque character. And that's basically what Moon Spirit is. Moon Spirit, she was born special. She could commune with the spirits of their ancestors. And she also has the power to commune with the nature. And as such, she needs to follow her calling and go on an adventure to seek, to get more experience and fulfill her destiny. So that's pretty much giving someone like a background, a description of who the character is. But what yeah. is the character? How do you play her? What's the fantasy that you uh, thought of when you wanted to build this character? So last week we had like a warmonger. We had a witch doctor. Yeah. It was more focused on a flavor of class. Are we still keeping yeah, that same a... style of presentation or is it going to be like... Can they only play her if she's a chosen one? Or like, is there another way to play? What's what's her build? How do you play her? Well, that was the specific version that I would go with. But it's a, the generic version would be she's a spiritual shaman that can commune with spirits and animals. So a spiritual shaman or a spiritual shamanistic druid, they both work. For her build, if you want to get to it, she's obviously a human. Variant human, starting with the mobile feet. And her ASIs are one point in charisma and one point in wisdom. We're talking about uh, abilities, so she has eight strength, thirteen dexterity, twelve constitution, eight intelligence, fifteen wisdom, and fifteen charisma. The background that fits with the with the character that I went for was far traveler. And for the starting equipment, uh, uh, we're starting with a quarter staff, scale mail, and a shield. And we're getting this from level one as a druid. And yeah, level one druid. You obviously learn Druidic, which is a Druid language, and you get first level spellcasting. Second level, Druid again. We finally get to pick our uh, Druid circle, and we're going for Wild Shape, Circle of the Moon. So are we sticking for Druid for a long time on this class, or it's going to be a multi another multi-classer? It is a multi-class, and right away at level 3, changing directly to Bard, getting our Bardic Inspiration, and other set of first level spells, expanding our spell knowledge. And level four, now we're two levels into Bard and two levels into Druid. We pick up Jack of All Trades and Song of Firsts. And at level five, we pick up our Bard College, which is College of Spirits. We get second level spellcasting, Guiding Whispers, and Spiritual Focus. And we also get Tales from Beyond. Now, at this level, you're mostly casting spells, casting a concentration spell, transforming, going to battle. You can survive in the front line. You can support in the back lines. You're a very strong, supportive level 5 character. Also, you have a lot of ways to shout damage, whether it's with your wild shape or the spells you picked up as a bard. Now, level 6, we're taking another level. 
this time we're going uh, our final level in Bard. So two levels in Druids and four levels into Bard. We're picking up our ability score improvements and we're adding two points into Charisma. And then next level, we're going to go back to Druid, making us Druid 3, Bard 4, and picking second level spellcasting from our Druid level. At level 8, we're going to be Druid 4, Wild Shape Improvements, and we got another ability score improvement, and we're going for Wisdom plus 2. Level 9, we get third level spellcasting, and then the next level, we're going to get Primal Strikes and more Circle Forms. And at level 11, we're going to get fourth level spellcasting. And the final level, we're getting wild shape improvements, and uh, we're going to pick up the feat Warcaster. So, so again, when it comes week, to spells... Uh, sorry, yes. go ahead, keep going. Keep going, keep going. Yeah, when it comes Finish to spells for this build, you mostly want to focus on support and summon spells that require concentration. Basically, a turn would go like you cast, you summon, let's say, woodland beings, you, you shape shift into a a bear, let's say, and just like this, you're already like having a lot of presence on the map, a lot of pressure on the enemies, you have a whole extra bar from your transformation, and on any turn you can undo your transformation, heal an ally, you have a lot of reactions if you don't want to transform, you want to play it safe this time before you go in and, and uh, commit, you can have spells like Silvery Barbs, Wither and Bloom, Summon Fae, Summon Elemental, Healing Word. There are so many spells that you get from Druid and Bard that make this card, that make this build the ultimate support and tank build. So your whole, your, your whole purpose is either to be a tank or a support and mm -hmm. utilizing the Basically. best out of the Bard and the Druid, if I'm correct. True. And like last week, so we're capping everything off at level 12. So for those who don't know, the reason why we're capping at level 12 is because a lot of campaigns do finish at level 12. And basically going further than that, a lot of the 5e content ends up breaking or like the game breaks after level 12. It becomes way too broken for the players. So that's why a lot of content doesn't go over there. And the average campaign, like people stay until like level 9, I think. If I recall, that's what I read last time. Mm -hmm. So we figured level 12 is a very solid level. Plus also Baldur's Gate 3, you end up capping at level 12. So it's very familiar with a lot of people who want to like tiptoe into D&D &D and not knowing what direction to go. Now, one thing I noticed, you're, you're less enthusiastic talking about the Druid compared to, for example, <laughs> the Warmonger and the other characters from last week. Look, I don't want people thinking this is a bad character. <laughs> no, it's not. It's actually far from it. Me, personally, I'm a martial at heart. I play, I love martial characters. That's where I thrive. That's what I enjoy the most. But this build, even though it wouldn't be something that I would personally play, I would love to have someone on the table playing this build. Just so having someone on the team playing this, you'd feel safe. Oh, am I right? Oh, I'd feel more than safe. Like, you have a tank slash healer. Other than that, also like outside of combat, she has high wisdom and high charisma, handling difficult interactions, seeing traps, high perception, high insight, perfect character for interactions and dealing with situations. I actually love this character outside of combat more than inside of combat, <laughs> personally, uh, based on my playstyle. Nice. But it's a very strong build. So for this week... Um, we have a mix of two sort of martial classes and two sort of caster classes. The next yes. one on the list is uh, quite the, uh, let's say, mm. unique character. It took us a yes. bit of time to actually create. So giving you guys a little background, creating him and giving him life on our shorts was actually one of the hardest since it, he doesn't have a hu humanoid face per se. 
So it ended up being one of our lowest quality videos in terms of shorts. Ironically enough, it's one of the best, uh, let's say, scripts it did. It was a very uh, dumbed down script. Yeah. And it's about a bugbear, <laughs> the story of a bugbear sniper. Can we talk about that one for a bit? So bugbears usually, when you, when you when you look at around like optimized builds and whatnot, people like to play a bugbear that's a melee fighter because of their reach. They have uh, an extra five feet of reach, making it 10 feet on melee attacks. But for me, I wanted to capitalize on the other racial feature that people usually optimize on. And I didn't want to break it, giving him multiple attacks. So I was most, mostly focused on like a single strong attack or two attacks post level five. And the racial that they have is, surprise, is a surprise attack. Now, if you had a creature with an attack roll, the creature takes an extra 2d6 damage if it hasn't taken its turn yet. And that will give you like a sneak peek to what subclass we're going for. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, starting at level one, we're gonna be a ranger. Uh, our race is bugbear. As I said, you get surprise attack, dark vision, long limb. You have fey ancestry now, uh, and you're sneaky, proficiency in stealth, uh, and powerful. So we're not build. using the legacy bugbear, right? We're using the newer bugbears. No, the newer bugbears. Oh, and ASI Just is to clarify be... for people. Correct. So in ASI, we're gonna set one point in con and two points in dexterity. And for our uh, point by method, we're going to go for Strength 9, Dexterity 15, Constitution 13, Intelligence 13, Wisdom 14, and Charisma 8. The stats might seem kind of weird, but you'll understand the more we level up and allowing us to multi-class into different things. Now at level 1, we get Favored Foe and Deft Explorer from the Ranger. And this is from the Tasha's Cauldron of Everything the optional ranger and at yeah. level two we, we pick up our fighting style and we pick up archery archery is by far the best fighting style in the game hence the name sniper <laughs> yes and you also get first level spell casting rangers they have like unlike paladins where they can use their spell slots for smites rangers don't have that people like to compare hunter mark to Smite, one of them is TPR, the other one is first, but Smite is way more like powerful. So mostly with our ranger spells, we're gonna go for Hunter's Mark, obviously, and supportive abilities. Like Cure Wounds, for example. Now at level three, we get our Ranger Archetype, and we're going for Gloomstalker. Now, Gloomstalker gives us two extra uh, feats, which are which are Dread Ambusher. And basically what it does is at the start of your turn of each combat, your walking speed increases by 10 feet and lasts until the end of the turn. And you take an extra attack action that turn. So the first turn you have, you attack an extra time. And you deal an extra 1d8 of damage. And for classes that don't have dark vision, you also get uh, Umbral Sight, which is basically dark vision. But we already have dark vision, so it will just increase our dark vision by an extra 30 feet. At level 4, uh, we're going to take the Piercer feat, rounding up our Dexterity to 18, plus giving us the effects. Now, what Piercer does is, it's in if once per turn, when you hit a creature with an attack that deals piercing damage, you can reroll one of the attack's damage dice, and you must use a new roll. So let's say, this one is, isn't as strong, but since we're going to be using a heavy uh, crossbow, 
it, it comes into account more than other cla- other weapons. And now, when you scroll, score a critical, like the other face, Piercer, Crusher, and Slasher, Piercer uh, allows you to roll an additional die of damage, making your crits even more worthwhile. And then we're going to take our last Ranger level, picking up extra attack, allowing us to do four attacks in our first round of combat. And if we hit an end assuming enemy, which is an enemy that didn't take their turn yet, we deal extra 2d6 from our ratio from Blood Bear. After that, we're going to go Artificer. <laughs> now, so, go, go, gadgets. Basically, going Artificer here will help us in two major ways. First of all, let's say we're, we're not lucky. Our DM is being mean to us. We don't get our magical crossbow. No problems. We can make our own magical crossbow. <laughs> and other than that, we no longer need the crossbow expert feat because you can pick up the infusion at level 2 of Artificer, making the build level 7, repeating shot, giving you plus 1 to bonus, plus 1 bonus to attack and damage rolls, magic property, and if weapon lacks ammunition, it produces its own, automatically creating one piece of magic ammunition when the wielder makes a ranged attack with it. So ammunition are no longer a problem and reloading is no longer a problem. Nice. See, I always yeah. think artificers are like a very good class that like can either complement another class. Even by themselves, they stand mm-hmm. really tall. But I, I, it's a good class to complement. For me, artificer is the perfect like multi-class into. <laughs> you can always multi-class into artificer to get magical items, uh, armor proficiency, specific spells. Even for wizards, for example, they don't get a lot of healing spells and support spells that artificer does. So it's a very nice multi-class option. Now, after seven levels in, we're five levels Ranger, two levels Artificer. We're picking up Rogue now, our third class. Now, Rogue level one, we get Expertise. Here, I recommend taking Stealth, your Expertise in Stealth, allowing you to land those sneak attacks easier. And for the other option, just pick your favorite. We also get sneak attack and thieves can't. You can communicate with thieves can't. It's a rogue exclusive language. Now at level nine, we're two levels into rogue, and we get cunning action. Cunning action allows us to dash, disengage as a bonus action, or hide as a bonus action, freeing up our actions. So you can hide, and if you're successful, you can attack with advantage on your turn. And keep in mind, you're a gloom stalker, so even if it's dark, you have a great opportunity to hide and do more damage with advantages. At level 10, we're going to pick up our roguish archetype, and we're picking up assassin. Now, with assassin, we get a bonus proficiency, and we also get assassinate. At Starting at level 3, you are at your deadliest when you get the drop on your enemies. You have advantage on attack rolls against any creature that hasn't taken a turn in the combat yet, which shouldn't synergize with our bugbear racial feat or racial trait and gloomstalker. And then we're going to take one more level into row, picking up the feat sharpshooter. And the final level is going to be also into rogue, picking up uncanny dodge. 
So you're making him like a long-range, sneaky sniper that no one can see, but he can see them and can shoot from far. Basically. When I first was thinking of this idea, right? I would, like The first draft was a way more optimized version of this. Going for a crossbow expert, wielding hand crossbows, dishing out a lot of damage on turn one. But I felt that that build is very hard to achieve. Acquiring hand crossbows is already a headache uh, throughout most campaigns. So that's a big no-no there. <laughs> so I, I opted for a more one-shot, one-kill kind of a sniper assassin build. A headshot build. Literally, boom, headshot, Basically. right? <laughs> Basically. Now, how's his intelligence? Because, see, I, I know for a fact, you as a person, you like to build characters that are goblins, bugbears, hobgoblins. You like this type of races. Uh, how mm -hmm. does he deal with the, the whole fitting into society? Now, usually in campaigns, you're going to always be singled out if you're the only monstrous <laughs> race in your party. But I feel that's where role-playing kicks in. Like even, I believe that people that are not comfortable in role-playing should pick these races. Because it puts, puts you in situations where you gotta think. You gotta, if you, you gotta save this character. If I do the wrong thing, I have already eyes on me. So usually with goblins, it's way easier. But for a bugbear, for example, but how I would go about it is hiding. Specifically with this build. You're already a gloom stalker. So going to towns at night, being hooded, playing that role of a uh, the mysterious man in the party. There's so many, so many <laughs> the things. The mysterious bugbear. Basically. <laughs> nice. For the third build, uh, yeah. we're gonna talk about a monk now, right? But this is a race yes. that you actually enjoy a lot. The Genasis. This is my favorite race. It's your favorite race in all of the indie. If I can all of right? uh, I love Air Genasis. I love right. Air Genasis before they got buffed. <laughs> 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 so you, it's true well, your first character was a Genasi if I recall yes the first yes. character so you ever Genasis, built in D&D &D 5e yeah Air Genasis used to be the worst between the Genasis but now in my opinion they're the best nice nice so basically so, yeah, yeah go ahead go ahead now as an Air Genasi you get to pick your size but for this build we're gonna go for medium you have 35 movement speed you have dark vision, finally. Unending breath. You can hold your breath until you die. You have lightning resistance and mingle with the wind. Now, you get shocking grasp cantrip, which is a good cantrip for melee range. Uh, at third level, you can cast feather fall. And at fifth level, you can cast levitate. All these pills are very clutch spells. They're not damaging spells for sure, but they're very, very, very clutch outside of combat. And for this, we're going to obviously pick Wisdom for our uh, ability modifier. So yeah, Erjanasi, and for our class, level 1, I'm going Fighter. Now, before I get to more about Fighter, I'm going to start with the background. For this build specifically for the background, I went for the giant foundling feet. Sorry, the giant foundling background that gives me the strike of the giant's feet. And between Is the strike of the, the giants, book? I'm going to pick... 
Yeah, that's from the new book. And I'm gonna go for Strike of the Giants, Hill Strike. And why specifically Hill Strike? Hill Strike allows you to knock your enemies prone per attack. And when your enemies are prone from for melee fighters, you always have advantage on attacks. Now, for our ability scores uh, from uh, Erginasi, I'm going to set one point to Dexterity, one point to Constitution, and one point to Wisdom. Our ability point by is going to be 8 Strength, 15 Dexterity, 15 Con, 8 Intelligence, 15 Wisdom, and 8 Charisma. Very mid-maxed. So this is very optimized. And, this is like very, very optimized. Yeah. yeah. Now, for level 1, we're going to start Fighter. I'd recommend taking scale mail. And for for the fighting style, we're picking up an armed fighting, and we also get second wind. Now, starting level two, we're gonna drop fighter for a while and we're gonna pick up monk. Level two monk, you get an armored defense and martial arts. Now, usually a monk at level one, you do one D4 punching damage, but with the unarmed fighting feat, you do 1d8 if you're not holding anything on either hand, which is basically what we're going to be doing with this build. At level 3, we're going to get key with our with monk and an armored movement, increasing our movement speed. Now at level 4, 3 levels into monk, we get our monastic tradition, and we're picking up way of the long death. We get uh, deflect missiles from monk, and we get touch of death from way of the long death. And basically what it does, it allows you to extract vitality from another creature as it nears its demise, so when you kill it. When you, receive, when you reduce a creature within 5 feet of you to 0 hit points, you gain temporary hit points equal to your Wisdom modifier plus your Monk level. Which is a very good survivability option. Especially if you're going hard, punching enemies with D8s. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very strong way to keep up your health. Now, at level 5, we're going to be Monk 4. And we're going to uh, improve our ability scores too and dexterity. And we also get slow fall from monk. At level 6, we get extra attack from monk and strong strikes. And at level 7, we're still in monk and we're going to get our key empowered strikes, making our attacks magical. And we get an armored movement. And we get also our reaping from our subclass. Now, our reaping. Basically, as an action, you terrify those around you, for your soul has been touched by the shadow of death. When you take this action, each creature within 30 feet of you that you can see must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be frightened of you until the end of, of your next turn. It's a very controlly ability, very clutch in situation when you're overwhelmed with enemies and you have no way out. You can frighten them. It's also good to save your allies with as well. Because even in those situations when you're surrounded by a lot of enemies as a monk, you have so many ways out of it. You can bonus actions, spend the key point, disengage, action, dash, and run away from there. But let's say you're there, you're in the front lines with your allies and things are getting tough. It's a, it's a, it's a basically a get, a get out of jail free card. Now, after level seven, which we took our 6th monk level, we're going to go back to fighter at level 8, picking up action surge for a more 
for more options in combat. Now in combat, we can, if we want to burst down an enemy, Active Surge always helps, allowing us to get another action. Now at level 9, we're going to multiclass for the third time, going for a Cleric. Picking up the Grave Domain, Cleric. We get our first level spellcasting. We get Circle of Mortality, and we also get Eye of the Grave. Now, the reason I went for Grave Cleric in the first place was for flavor. I really like the idea of mixing the Grave Domain with the Long Death. That, that thin line between life and death. So, so like adding the Cleric, going into Fighter, and starting off as a monk, what's like the general flavor of this combination that you would like name it as a class so you know you know about like in in, in, in martial arts the touch of death oh okay yeah you went with that touch of death type of attack style <laughs> martial artist and basically so how we're gonna basically be able to do this with this build is the follow so i'll just talk a bit more about circle of mortality Go for it. Basically, when okay, when you would normally roll a one or more dice to restore hit points with a spell to a creature, you instead use the highest number possible for each die. Already very powerful ability. You also get Eyes of the Grave. You gain the ability to occasionally sense the presence of the undead, whose existence is an insult to the natural cycle of life. That's a very important point. Important point for people that like Grave Domain Cleric is... It sounds, when you read Grave Domain, you always think of undeads, but this is the total opposite. You hate undeads. They desecrate, they desecrate the graves. And anyone that desecrates graves, anyone that disrespects life and or death. So you hold that balance between both. And basically, this is where you stand. Uh, now, level 2 and Cleric. Now we're at total level 10. We get our channel Divinity Path to the Grave. In my opinion, the strongest channel divinity between all the cleric subclasses. As an action, you choose one creature you can see within 30 feet of you, cursing it until the end of your next turn. The next time you or an ally of yours hits the cursed creature with an attack, the creature has vulnerability to all attack damage. That means they take double damage from any source of damage that you can dish out. Stronger than a crit even. Nice. And we all know how much we all love our clerics, huh? <laughs> so basically at this at this level how your turn goes around is following you would action channel divinity path to the grave you'd action surge go in punch flurry of blows blowing all like like basically going to attack attack bonus action flurry of blows dealing a lot of damage 48 worth of damage plus your modifier Basically doing a huge amount of first damage. Another way, this is another way you can utilize this channel divinity, is if you have another party member that has bigger burst damage. Than you. Like uh, let's say you have a paladin in your party that can come in, hit once, smite with like third level spell, then hit again, smite with third level spell. But keep in mind. that all attacks that only the first creature deals are affected by the vulnerability. I understand. Now, at level 11, we're going to go back to Monk, picking up Stillness of Mind, 
And level 12, we're going to get our ability score improvement from uh, Monk, two points, rounding up our dexterity to 20. And yeah, this is the touch of death or wind of death, <laughs> Air Genasi. So that's the Air Genasi yeah. monk, huh? Yeah. All right. So we have one last one to do. Mm -hmm. And this one, I think, is a bit is a very different from the three we sure. just uh, spoke about. But they all share like a, an overarching theme that we're going to talk about in terms of lore after the last yes. build. So the last one, we were calling it the Divine Savior. Am I correct? Uh, divine Servant. The Divine Servant. My bad, my bad. Divine Servant. Yeah. So this Divine Servant, which uh, is actually launching to... Before, uh, yesterday, sorry. Wow, I'm like, looking at the calendar. So that one is the last one we did in terms of the shorts. It's actually a very well-designed shorts in terms of video. Uh, give people a, an idea of how you want to go building it and why did you use a hobgoblin for a divinity ser ser servant? <laughs> Doesn't usually so, come to people's uh, first uh, ideas for a uh, holy servant. So in Mom, the new book... Uh... Hobgoblins so, got changed. So for, what's mom? Monsters of the Multiverse. Okay, so uh, basically we're going to be using a lot of acronyms because I know a lot <laughs> of people sometimes uh, listen to us for the first time. So some of the acronyms we used until now, if you don't know about it, so ASI means uh, ability, ability score, score improvement. improvement. So those are the abilities that you use. And a lot of time when we say about Tasha, it's the Tasha Cauldrons of Everything, the book. And now mom is the mm -hmm. Monster of the Multiverse, one of the newest books that came out that actually... Give us a refresh on some of the the races for D and D, and one of the big ones were, in my opinion, the hobgoblin. They kept some of their essence, but they changed the flavor behind it. So instead of safe face, they have uh, fortune of the many. Before it was the pride of a hobgoblin that basically, if you fail, you can reroll again, so you can save face. But now it's fortune of the many. But the idea came because when I was reading about the Hobgoblin and I was reading about their fake gift, one of the fake gifts was called hospitality. And basically, okay. what fake gift does as a whole is when you use help, you can use it as a bonus action and you can do that proficiency bonus per, like uh, proficiency bonus times per day. Per, but when I say per day, I mean per long rest. And at third level, you get to choose Hospitality, Passage, or Spite, and it gives you extra bonuses. But for this build, we're going to be mostly using the Hospitality version. This guy is a servant. He's a divine servant. He's been blessed by the Holy to serve the masses. Okay. So, so at level one, yeah, he wants to serve everyone without any remorse and also without strings attached. Basically, he's a very selfless servant. Okay. So, at level one, we're going to pick up Paladin. He's still figuring out his, how to serve people. This is how it starts. <laughs> but before I talk about Paladin, I'm going to talk more about abilities and description. We're going to go for, for abilities. I opted to go for 15 Strength, 8 Dexterity, 15 Constitution, 8 Intelligence, 8 Wisdom, and 15 Charisma. Very mid-maxed, like the monk before him. And our ability score improvements are going to go to charisma, two points in charisma, and one point in strength. 
Now, for equipment, I would recommend picking up a longsword, a shield, and chainmail. And for your description, you're a hermit. I took hermit for their medicine proficiency. So pick your favorite if you have a custom background that would suit this build more. With medicine proficiency, knock yourself out. Now, at level 1, we are a paladin. We get divine sense and lay on hand. Lay on hand, you can cure disease or poison or heal for 5 points. You have a pool of 5 points. You get 5 per level in paladin. At 2nd level, we're going to pick up fighting style. And for our fighting style, I'm going to be taking the blessed warrior. Now, blessed warrior is a fighting style, quote-unquote, that allows you to pick up 2 cantrips from the cleric list. And I'm going to be picking up Guidance and Spare the Dying. You also get first level spellcasting. You're going to be mostly using it for Bless and Cure Wounds. You also get Divine Smites for the occasional smite. <laughs> when you get the itch to smite. Uh, at third level, we're going to get our Sacred Oath and we're going to go for the Oath of Devotion. We also get Divine Health. We can no longer get sick. We get our channel divinity, and we also get our oath spells. At level 4, to make casting easier, I went for the Warcaster feat. And this is going to be our last level in Paladin. We're not going for a damage-focused build with this guy. We're mostly we're going for a supporty build. But surprisingly enough, even surprised me while I was building him. He can still dish out a lot of burst damage. He doesn't need the extra attack from level 5. So yeah, at level 5, we're going to pick up Sorcerer. Our, uh, the Sorcerer's origin is going to be Divine Soul. You get first level spellcasting. You pick up Healing Word, which is a ranged spell. Ranged healing spell. The best healing spell, in my opinion. You also have your Divine Magic, and I'm going to go for good for this build. And you also get favored by the gods. If you fail, you don't fail. You roll two extra d4s which synergizes with the Gift of the Fae feature that Hobgoblins get. At level 6, you get Font of Magic. Level 7, you get 2nd level spellcasting. And you also get Meta Magic. I'm going to be picking up uh, Quickened Magic and Twin Spell, twinning your healing words or quickening your cure wounds. And at level 8, we're going to be improving our Charisma, plus 2. At level 9, we're going to get our 3rd level spellcasting from Sorcerer. And at level 10, we're going to get Empowered Healing Feet from the Sorcerer. Now, every level, every spell level you get, you also have access to the Cleric spell list. So you have all the support spells that you could wish for. <laughs> Pick your favorites. There are iconic ones, obviously, like level 1, Bless, Cure Wounds, Healing Words. Uh, and then at level 11, we're going to get our 4th level spellcasting. And at level 12, we're going to uh, maximize our charisma to 20 with an ability score improvement. And basically, that's the build. The build isn't that hard to pull off, and it's not that hard to play either. But at the same time, it's very surprising in so many ways. You can smite at 4th level. Rolling a lot of extra, extra d8s whenever you need to deal that extra damage. You have a lot of spell slots. You can bonus action booming blade, for example, with the quickened uh, magic. There are so many ways for you to deal damage with this build, but 
I still love playing this build in a in a, in a supporty, optimistic, very selfless personality. And so, that's basically the final build we made. So is this something you'd actually play instead of a martial class? Like, since I know you love martial classes, would this be one of the classes you'd play that's not a martial? Personally, yes. If I let's say I joined the table and let's say we're playing Curse of Strahd or we're playing any campaign, and let's say I'm playing with players that are relatively new and it's a a more difficult campaign, and they all obviously everyone that first plays D and D, they they have that fantasy they want to bring to life, whether they want to be the knight in shining armor or the wizard from a tower, or you know what I mean. So usually people go for that for the damaging builds. This build is a lot you can clutch out damage when you need to you can keep your allies safe you can heal them you can take aggro you can be the focus of attention like bringing enemies to you you're always and basically and the personality of this character fits mostly with like veteran players as well like pro playing this will bring them so much like satisfaction being a facilitator helping in and outside of role playing yeah, so basically you're looking at a complete character that can be useful in roleplay, in gameplay, and fighting. Yeah, all of these characters, by the way, are... Basically, all these builds, for example, Wind of Death character is easy to RP. The Erjanasi, he's easy to RP, but he's hard, harder to, to play and perform with in combat. The Bugbear, his combat is very straightforward, but his RP is harder. Moon Spirit is hard to pull off perfectly, though it's easy. Like, it's easy entry, but, like, hard to master, knowing when to use what, because when you transform, you can't cast new spells anymore. So understanding when to use what is very clutch and very important. But the Divine Servant is a very easy to pick up, easy to master, fun to play, creates a, even a positive atmosphere in your table <laughs> like if someone comes in and playing a campaign he pulls up this character sheet i'll be like man i love you <laughs> <laughs> nice so to recap uh this week's classes all right so this week we got the moon spirit moon spirit the druid we have bugbear sniper we have mm-hmm. the divine say the sorry the air genasi monk and lastly mm-hmm. the divine servant so those are this week's four classes. And in terms of what brings them together, I think this is where my time to shine comes in. Mm-hmm. We actually put them in a zone in Eldolor, is that right? Yep. So the new zone is actually called the Mirage Oasis. We're actually releasing an episode about it uh, next week. Uh, either I think, it's this week, I think it's this week, actually. No, it's this week. We're releasing an episode this yeah. week about it. We're going to talk more about the Mirage Oasis. Last week, we went about, we talked about the Ardent Waste. So the Ardent Waste is the first continent we're officially introducing in our uh, D&D series that we figured we need to put the characters in a certain world, in a certain setting. Of course, they can be put into any setting. This druid can be, the, the moon spirit can be played into any setting. I can put her in Faerun on Sword Coast and she'll fit right in. But we wanted to create a world that's like cohesive in terms of uh, the characters that we're building. And the first one is and, the the Ardent Waste is the first zone that we're exploring. So the first zone is going to have seven different regions. the The world of Eldolor is comprised of eight 
distinct continents and we're attacking mm-hmm. the first one the ardent waste we did a full episode about it last week you guys should check it out it's on youtube uh, we talk about all the major zones within the ardent waste from the mirage sea which is aka my favorite it's one of the best zones that uh, we came up with and created it's a very good place we have the twilight zone which is uh, the bastion of twilight i think it's ali's favorite zone also uh, yeah. We have uh, the can- the Mirage Canyons, we have the Dunes, we have the Iridia Excavations, which is next week. This is a teaser for next week. Next week, we're going to be looking at the Iridia Ruins. But for this week, let's go back about this week, the Mirage Oasis. So these three characters, these four characters, I should say, fit properly in the Mirage Oasis, which is like a a paradise of some sort in a very arduous desert. And if I may add something on the side. Go for to it. a point you said earlier, these characters earlier and also said we created a world to fit them in. These characters, when we created them, when like we were talking about them, creating and thinking about, at first they were just concepts, but now they grew on us so much <laughs> that we felt that there is more. There's more to them. There's more we can create with them. So that was like one of me personally, at least like motivation to think about this world with Nasser and try to help him if he needs any help. But as a whole, he did a great job with the whole continent and other continents. And it's very exciting. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a group work. Uh, Nasser and Ali working, you know, I'm doing the world, you're doing the characters. You need the yeah. characters to create the world. You need the world to create the characters. They go hand in hand. It's a, a circle. And on top of it all off, we're going to be releasing... I think in two weeks or three, we're releasing a new series that's going to be in conjunction to everything. Either it's going to be on the podcast day or the day after. We still haven't uh, uh, figured it out. But we're going to release a... a, It's not a campaign where players play, but more like a narrated story of a party that travels in and out of Eldalore and explores it. And some of the characters that we're building with the character builds are going to be making appearances within the story so this week is going to be about the oasis uh, next week it's going to be about the excavation team and the iridia ruins we're going to be building a party that like revolves around that introducing if i recall a brand new race uh that uh, is homebrewed by yours mm-hmm. truly ali not myself yes it's the- <laughs> i just i just came up with the name he came up with uh, how the race works but yeah yeah uh, so yeah, we're looking forward to having you guys explore this world with us and narrate you guys some of the story and help you dive in. Of course, these podcasts that we're doing right now are mainly about uh, explaining the builds, the ideas and philosophies behind them, giving you guys a sneak peek of what's going to happen in the coming week, giving you guys a recap about what's going to happen, in the, what happened in the past week and what you missed out on. And hopefully you go back and watch and listen. And yeah, uh, I think for this week, uh, it was a lot shorter than last week. Oh, well, we're like, what, 20 minutes less? We were, last week, we spoke for over an hour. This week, I it seems... I uh... had Garomash. <laughs> I don't want people to think that we're less enthusiastic <laughs> about these builds. Don't get us wrong, you know? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> some weeks, he's going to be more enthusiastic than others, but it doesn't mean that the builds are bad. Everything we're presenting to you, we make yeah. sure we like triple, quadruple proofread everything and make sure that it's something presentable to you guys. So yeah, any 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 last words you'd like to add to people? Uh, I would say basically, uh, if you have any suggestion for builds, feel free to leave them in the comments. And yeah, it's been fun so far. Yeah, hopefully this is the 
the beginning of a very, very long road for us, and we're enjoying every moment of it. We're big D&D players. We're actually uh, we're running the new Fandelver campaign right now. Yes. It's been how, so how, much you fun. enjoying it? You're having oh, fun with it? Peak. Like, Fandelver was my first campaign. And now coming back to the new Fandelver, oh, satisfying. We haven't even we haven't touched the new parts though, but I've been, I've I've uh, I homebrewed and introduced a bit of the, the the extra stuff that spiced up the, the the campaign early on a bit, so they can have a small sneak peek, so that it doesn't feel as redundant. Of course, I know that the mm-hmm. the, the, the team behind the, the the book actually did some very good work changing some of the things and making it more modern. It's a very nice book. I, I like it a lot, and DMing it is. Not that hard for me since, well, I already know Fandelver. Ran it like a f- more than three, t- three, four times. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys are having fun with it. I guess that's enough for tonight. Uh, thanks a lot for showing yep. up, guys. I'm glad to have you with us. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, like, subscribe, follow. Uh, now we're officially on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. We're on YouTube. So wherever, you're li- wherever you are, in whatever platform you're listening, whether it's your phone, your f- car, your laptop, Thank you for giving us your time. We love you guys. Have a good night. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) Take care, Ali. See you. See you next week. Yeah, man. Take care.